Before we start this episode, I'd like to invite you to support the podcast. You can support the podcast first by sharing it with anyone who you know that might benefit from it. Also, you can join our support group. The Surviving Alzheimer's Support Group is a safe place where we gather once a month over Zoom to talk about what we've learned about becoming better caregivers and how we can gain better control of our thoughts and emotions. Also, I've recently published a free guide on how to respond to repeated questions. If your loved one is asking you the same questions and you're having a difficult time dealing with it, this guide is for you. If you would like, you can make a donation that would help me with all the costs associated with running the podcast. To find out about all of these things and more, go to my website, www.ascending-minds.com. All right, now on to the episode. Welcome to the Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast, where you will learn how to find a peace that passes all understanding. I realize that your journey down Dementia Road with your loved one is unique. As I share my experiences and the lessons that I've learned with my wife over the last 12 years on our Alzheimer's journey, it's my desire that you'll learn how to find joy and peace, as I have, while facing my life's greatest challenge. This podcast is a true story of Ken and Shanna, a married couple whose lives have been forever changed for the better because we have learned to live with Alzheimer's disease and not let the disease define us. In today's episode, we'll be continuing our backstory and talking about moderate stage Alzheimer's and when we were both living at home and I became a full-time caregiver. For us, this lasted somewhere between three and four years, and it was a time that was full of many changes and adjustments. This was the time where my caregiver education and experience became full-time, and I learned a lot. During this time, about the middle of it, I started my journal. This is the first line that I wrote. This journal should have been started a few years ago, but I decided to start it now because I want to capture the feelings, experiences, and memories from here on out in great detail. Before we dive into the episode, I did want to share a review that was written by a podcast listener that they wrote on the Apple Podcast application. Her name was Susan, and she rated the podcast with five stars, and thank you, Susan, for that. And she titled her review, Interesting and Easy to Understand. She wrote this review after the second episode was published. This is what she wrote. Nice job, Ken. Nice, easy, clear voice to listen to. Interesting story so far. I am looking forward to future episodes. My husband of 39 years was diagnosed at age 59. It is quite devastating. All our retirement plans are gone, but we are trying to adapt. Thanks again. Susan, I'm grateful for your feedback. I was not sure how this podcast would be received and if it would be of help to anyone. So your quick note made me feel that I'm on the right track. Thank you for that. So this early feedback has encouraged me to continue on to create more episodes. I would like to hear your feedback. 
writing reviews on the Apple podcast site is one way to do it. Another more interactive way would be to go on to the Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast Facebook page. I'll put a link to that page in the description of this episode. In the last episode, I focused on the time leading up to Shanna's diagnosis. This was the summer of 2017. At that time, she was diagnosed with moderate Alzheimer's. So my best guess, as I try and piece together the timeline, is that she transitioned from mild stage to moderate stage somewhere either late 2016 or early 2017. Now, having said that, it's very hard to tell when our loved one transitioned from stage to stage. Now, the engineer in me always wanted to try and nail this down and quantify it and try and pinpoint these transactions. I have learned that this is very far from an exact science. From my journal, I estimate that this stage lasted about four years, give or take, with the last couple of years occurring during the outbreak, the ensuing panic and lockdown that happened during the COVID-19 global pandemic. Also, as she transitioned from moderate to severe, it was just as tricky to try and figure out, especially when you try and factor in the effects of the pandemic on us. Let's take a moment to discuss what are some of the things that our loved one might show during the moderate stage. My experience has been they don't always show all of these things, but they're a way to estimate where your loved one's at. In this stage, much more intense supervision and care becomes necessary. And that can be difficult for many spouses and families. Some of the things you might see is increased memory loss and increased confusion. Definitely saw that with Shanna. The inability to learn new things, and I would like to add as well, struggling to reteach things that they once knew. A good example of this was when Shanna was struggling with the process of doing our laundry. We worked together on this. I even put up a step-by-step sign next to the laundry machine, and she still had much difficulty with it. Now, here's something that I definitely saw. Difficulty with language. Problems with reading, writing, and working with numbers. I noted this in my journal at around 2019. This is what I wrote. At this time, Shanna's verbal communication has declined significantly. Her ability to follow direction is almost non-existent. And then I went on to write, she rarely will speak a complete sentence or thought. She depends on me and expects me to know what she means by uttering just a few general words and she'll often substitute, you know, or thing, or this thing, or that. Luckily, I can still figure it out. I distinctly remember this stage. I got really good at finishing her sentences and helping her finish her thoughts. So much so that when she really did become nonverbal, it took me a while to realize it. Some other things you might see is difficulty in organizing your thoughts and thinking logically, a shortened attention span with decreased desire to do things, her general desire to to do things that she loved to do started waning, and I think it was because she realized it was getting more and more difficult for her to do things and didn't want to get frustrated. Another thing would be problems coping with new situations. I didn't see this too much because I was very quick to step in 
in a new situation or when we met some people and just finish her sentence or explain what was going on with Shanna and spare her any kind of embarrassment. Difficulty in carrying out multi-step tasks, such as getting dressed. Well, this started in about 2019 and continued to progress. I can remember in the very beginning, I would help her pick out clothes and then just lay them out and she would get dressed. And I would just help her with the sequencing. That moved on to me handing her each article of clothing one at a time and her putting it on. That progressed to me helping, assisting putting it on her and just talking her through. Okay, put your arm through the sleeve. Okay, now we're going to go over the head. Okay, buckle your pants. Okay, put on your shoes. And that eventually went to, towards the very end of all this, actually getting her dressed and moving her limbs and doing things like that. Amazingly, the very last thing that she was able to do was tie her shoelaces. I was amazed that even though she couldn't button her pants or button a shirt, she could tie her shoelaces. And I remember the day that she was struggling with tying her shoelaces. And that happened a couple days in a row, and I could see it frustrating her. And I asked her, do you want some help? And I would do it. My solution to this dilemma was we went out and I bought her some sneakers that did not have shoelaces, and she's been wearing those ever since. I distinctly remember mourning the loss of her ability to tie her shoelaces. It was a pretty significant milestone for me. Some other things you'll see during this stage is struggling to recognize family and friends. I didn't see this till the later stage where she was probably in the severe stage. And even now, she may have a hard time if I mention someone's name, knowing who I'm talking about, but I'll show her a photo, or if that person comes to visit, she definitely recognizes them as a person that is important to her. I can't stress the value of friends visiting, either at home or at a memory care facility. Shanna has some long-term friends who continue to visit her from time to time, and it's pretty awesome to see her light up when they walk in the room. Next thing is hallucinations, delusions, and paranoia. We had our fair share of experiences with this, and that I'm going to reserve for an episode all by itself. Suffice it to say for this episode that we dealt with all of this from time to time, and it was very intense at times. Another thing you'll see is impulsive behavior, such as undressing at inappropriate times or using vulgar language. I call this a filter has been removed. The thing that Shanna would do during this time was we would be out in public and she would see somebody or something and she would just comment out loud. Oftentimes this would be someone who was uh, obese or grossly overweight and she would make a face and make a comment to me about it. And there were a few times where I was grateful that the person did not hear what Shanna said. She didn't mean anything. She was just stating a fact. Another thing would be inappropriate outbursts of anger. I have an issue with the word inappropriate. Because you're measuring the behavior based on a person with full brain capacity. It's not accurate for the person with dementia. I prefer to call it unexpected outburst. And indeed, yes, Shanna, when she would get frustrated, the only way to release that 
energy, that negative energy, was through anger. Other things that are common during this stage is increased restlessness, agitation, anxiety, tearfulness with bouts of crying, wandering, and a lot of this stuff can be triggered late in the afternoon. We experience all of these, and I'll cover those in future episodes. The last thing that is on the list, and we definitely saw some of this, is repetitive statements or movements with occasional muscle twitches. I definitely saw this and continue to see this. Shanna will jerk her arm or her shoulder. At first, we thought it was one of the uh, antidepressants she was taking because she was on a super high dose, and we backed that off. And it went away for a while, but now it's come back. And so this continues to come and go. We've learned to kind of joke about it. We'll be sitting together, and she'll kind of flinch or jerk. I'll look at her, and I'll smile and say, did I scare you? And she'll nod no, and we just kind of laugh it off. Again, not making a big deal out of some of these things is the best way to just let it go. It's just part of the stage. So those are some of the things that we'll find that are pretty common. How did I deal with all this? How do we deal with all of this? At the time, not very well. My stress and anxiety was clouding my perception. And it also intensifies the difficulties when you're in the moment. And this was very apparent during this time, especially on the front half of this stage. Some of the things that I did to help me release the stress, and I would highly recommend this to all caregivers, is to do something physical. Because that is the most healthiest way to relieve stress. As opposed to things like self-medication or overeating or ignoring it totally and letting it explode and drive you to a state of depression. One of the things that all of Shannon's doctors have told us is that the two best things you can do for somebody with dementia are exercise and socialization. They're not only good for the person with the disease, but they're also really good for the caregiver. This was so important during the pandemic. Keeping ourselves active and reaching out to family members and friends kept us both from feeling totally isolated. We had a habit of taking walks every day. We walked as long as Shanna could handle it, even in the 110-degree Arizona summer. We would walk in the early mornings, and I would be creative, and we'd drive to a local mall and walk around indoors. Shanna started out walking with me. We would walk our dog for three or four miles. It would take us an hour and a half. It was awesome. It would invigorate both of us, but also release all of the anxious energy that Shanna would sometimes have. As time went on, as the years went on, it reduced, and it got to the point right before I moved her a year and a half ago that she would only be able to walk about half a mile before getting exhausted. One of the things that I've done, I've been playing ice hockey for the last 10 years. And during this period of our lives, I made it a priority to play at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And this really, really helped. When I read my journal, I see that when stress comes in the moment, how it really affected how I handle things, for better or for worse. Keeping the journal and rereading it and pondering was one of the best things that I have done. 
And I continue to do it today as it allows me to have a much clearer perspective once the heat of the moment and the stress is gone. And you can kind of look back on what happened and learn from it. Here is an early journal entry that was typical during this time period of moderate Alzheimer's. A few hours ago, she wanted to go on a walk, but I was really tired. And I asked her, can we wait just another hour and watch one more episode of TV together? She didn't say anything. I don't think she wanted to wait, and I didn't know it at the time, but she just rolled over in bed. When the show was over, she was visibly upset with me, but she would not tell me why she was upset. And she told me she did not want to go on a walk. I was very confused. I left her room and I did some household chores. I came back very calm and found out that she was still upset that we watched TV for an extra hour. I think it wasn't the TV watching. I think that she just wanted to go on the walk and she was done watching TV and didn't want to wait. But she did not express that to me at the time. I walked back in the room and for the last 30 minutes, she was half sleeping, half stewing, getting mad. I just was very calm and had a rational conversation with her because at that time she could still reason somewhat. And then out of the blue, she said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. This was a common way of her getting my attention throughout most of our marriage. I explained that this was really about communication. And I tried my best to validate their feelings. I then said, Shanna, you don't have to choose to continue to be upset. And then I walked away and gave her a little bit of time. I'd like to take a quick break here and invite you to help me out with the podcast. Would you please take the time to leave a podcast review on the Apple platform? And if you're not using an Apple product to listen to the podcast, you can go to the Facebook group. Go to Facebook and look for Surviving Alzheimer's Podcast, and you'll find the page there. Please leave a comment and let me know how the podcast has helped you. We'd love to hear from you. All right, now back to the episode. Hopefully she'll stop digging in her heels and go on a walk, and then she'll be fine. Just as a note, I was writing this, but as it was happening, I would walk away from the situation and I would add to this journal entry. Then I write in all caps, I must remain calm and patient, exclamation point. So the journal entry continues. So I went in after 15 minutes and said, hey, let's go on a walk. She kind of hemmed and hawed and initially resisted, but I was able to persuade her to go. For the first 15 minutes of the walk, she was still upset. She was quiet. And every time I tried to engage with her, she was short with her responses. I did not bring up or mention about her being mad anymore after that. And after many attempts to engage her in a conversation, she slowly started to loosen up. Eventually, she started the conversation. And after about 25 minutes of walking, she was back to normal. We walked for another 20 minutes, came home, and watched TV again for a little bit. and. Everything seems fine now, so I assume this episode is concluded. Then I recorded my takeaway learnings from this. By me not pressing the issue, 
there was no fuel for her to deepen her negative feelings. In the past, I would always try and solve the problem right there on the spot. I was able to control my emotions. And I, at the time, was really kind of focusing on my being right in the situation. I had not gotten to the point of swallowing my ego and just rolling with whatever was happening. I was still dealing with this issue that I've had most of my adult life of having to be right. The, the other things that I recorded in the journal entry are walking away and coming back is more effective than nagging her to, to get all of her feelings out on the table and deal with them. This gives her time to process and allows me to stay calm. Next thing I noted was, it is easier for me to admit fault, even if there is no fault of my own, and empathize and validate her anger and feelings, and then slowly suggest that she move on in a very non-controlling way. Instead of forcing her to deal with everything and get frustrated and me raise my voice in my frustration. Lastly, I wrote, I always need to control my frustration and work to diffuse the situation rather than to persuade with reason and resolve the issue at hand immediately. My goal tomorrow is to try and keep her active most of the day with a smiley face. So that's a pretty typical journal entry at this time. This is just one of the many, many entries and experiences that helped me to make the many adjustments as things changed. During this time, I would often beat myself up mentally in the aftermath of one of these incidents. When I lost control of my emotions or tried to reason or try to force her or prove her wrong, it only made things worse. It was also during this time as I reflected on my actions and emotions and the thoughts that I realized I'm the one who needs to change and adapt here. Her ability to deal with all of her frustrations and emotions that are associated with the decline of her abilities, was diminishing week by week. At the time, I did not consider what she may have been dealing with. That came much later. It was also during this time that I started working with a faith-based life coach, who would eventually become my mentor and eventually train me and certify me to become a faith-based life coach a few years later. At this time, I started to realize how my thoughts truly affected how I felt. And then in turn, those emotions had a big influence on how I acted and reacted to all of the challenges of being a caregiver and a husband at that time. It was totally liberating when I realized that I had the power to monitor and choose the thoughts and emotions that were in my best interest and to reject the negative self-defeating self-talk and frequent tape loops that I would say to myself as I would beat myself up on and on and on and on. Instead, I learned to take 100% accountability for all of my actions, emotions, and thoughts. When I would do something that was not in both Shanna or my best interest, I would reflect upon what emotions and triggers were involved. I would try and identify what were the beliefs and thoughts that were standing behind those triggers. Often, if not always, the beliefs were not accurate, and there was some untruth lying behind the trigger that I had bought into. Often long ago, I bought into this untruth about myself or how things were supposed to be, 
and I accepted them, and they became my reality and my perspective. As I worked with my mentor, and she coached me and helped me to learn and apply tools of removing these triggers and changing my thought patterns, I was able to overcome and remove these triggers one at a time and gain a lot more control of my actions and reactions by changing my thoughts and how I felt about my wife's Alzheimer's and my role as a caregiver. Now, I wish I can tell you I'm all fixed and all good, but I continue to do this. And I get the feeling that this is not only a great coping skill for dealing with stress and dealing with being a caregiver, it is something that I will probably be working on for the rest of my entire life in all aspects of my life. This has made and continues to make all the difference for both of us and is the key to our surviving Alzheimer's. At this point, I realize I have just skimmed the surface on this time period that was so full of experiences and lessons learned, and that I have many more stories to tell that will be in the future episodes. I just wanted today to just give a short version of what this time period was like. Before I sign off today, I once again want to encourage you to leave a comment on the Surviving Alzheimer podcast Facebook page. Again, the link will be in the description of this episode. Or if you prefer, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It's always my intention to share things that are helpful to you and to assist you on your caregiving journey. Your feedback will ensure that I cover topics that are relevant and important to you. Now in our next episode, we'll once again take a short break from our backstory, and I'll talk about your role as being a quarterback on your caregiving team. I thought this analogy would be appropriate to talk about as football season has just begun. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to follow the Surviving Alzheimer's podcast so that you can continue to listen to more episodes and be notified when they're released. I really do appreciate you taking time to listen and comment. I do realize how precious your free time is as a caregiver, and I am grateful to be able to be of some sort of help to you in any small way. So have a blessed day, and remember to take things one day at a time, and one hour at a time if that's what's needed. Before you go, I'd just like to invite you and remind you of the things that we have to offer from Ascending Minds, LLC. You can go to our website, www.ascending-minds.com, and you can register for the Surviving Alzheimer's Support Group. You can register for our newsletter. You can also get a free copy of the guide to responding to our loved ones' repeated questions. You can find links to all this in the episode description, or you can just go to the website and look at the menu. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.